Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I am your host, Joel Corey. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C O R R Y. J-O-E-L, and also you can read my regular CBSSports.com column in Agent's Take, focusing on NFL contracts and salary cap. Um, This week we're going to look at a surprising uh, contract extension that was unexpected in David Bakhtiari's uh, deal, which made him the highest paid uh, offensive lineman in the NFL. Um, That deal was announced last Sunday. Um, Didn't really think there'd be another major um, contract extension for the rest of the season. And also going to look at that deals, how it shapes up in the tackle market and and what we could see happening in the tackle market in the uh, forecoming months, in the upcoming months. Um, Bakhtiari signed a four-year, $92 million contract extension, um, averaging $23 million per year. That makes him the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history, uh, eclipsing Laramie Tunsil's $22 million per year. Tunsil signed a three-year extension the day the NFL draft uh, started the first round. I think that was like April 24th, I think, or 23rd, when that uh, deal was signed. In between the Bakhtiari deal and Laramie Tunsil deal, uh, Ronnie Stanley signed a deal. Um, in the middle of this season, um, which came in a little below where I expected, right around Halloween he signed a deal. Signed a five-year extension, averaging $19.75 million per year. Um, the deal maxes out at $100 million, uh, the Stanley deal does, because of a $250,000 Pro Bowl incentive each year. Um, I really thought the Stanley deal would eclipse the Tunsil deal on average, Thought it would have to be longer to do so, maybe four or five years, but didn't think it would come in at a base value under $20 million per year. Um, what Stanley did that was really good was that the guarantees and the signing bonus, he got a $22.5 million signing bonus, which at the time was the biggest signing bonus for an offensive lineman, and also the guarantees are what are strong in the deal. In the Stanley deal, uh, there are uh, 58 million uh, fully guaranteed at signing. Actually, 58.8, a little more than 58.8. And there's a little bit of misinformation about the guarantee. Some people say the full guarantee is 64.116 million. That's technically not correct. In the deal, he kept the cap number the same and reduced his base salary from 12.866. Some of that money had been paid up until that point. And then, curiously, uh, the base salary reduced to $5.216 million, but a little over $3.05 million of the base is guaranteed. So, from the guarantee, I'm not counting the unguaranteed amount, even though he's getting the money this year. Technically, it's not guaranteed. So, the overall guarantee is a little over $65.5 million. And the cash flow is really good. Um, in the early years of the deal, that through 2021, he's going to make $54.616 million, and through 22, $64.116 million. So those are the best things about the Stanley deal. 
Um, it also looks even better in light of the fact that um, he got hurt right after he signed the deal and is out for the year. Now, not really how you're supposed to evaluate the deal, but uh, the deal still came in below where I thought it would. Now, because of the Stanley deal, I thought Bakhtiari would have a tough time getting above $20.5 million per year. So for Bakhtiari to get to $23 million per year... <laughs> Um, that exceeded all of my reasonable expectations for the deal. It's a $30 million signing bonus in the deal, which is the uh, biggest signing bonus ever for an offensive lineman, and it's one of the biggest signing bonuses for um, a non-quarterback. So that's something you expect out of Green Bay deals. The Packers are one of three teams, uh, along with the Bengals and the Steelers, that don't guarantee anything besides signing bonus. Um, Green Bay makes one exception for Aaron Rodgers. They give him base salary guarantees, and nobody else does. So in a Green Bay deal, you will see a bigger signing bonus. And the signing bonus is all paid before the end of the calendar year. That's what Green Bay does, that they don't defer signing bonus money. And that's one good thing going back to Stanley. He got his $22.5 million signing bonus was all paid um, within 10 days of execution. Now, the contract. Uh, Bakhtiari gets half of his within the first, uh, base, essentially on ex- execution by the, by the end of the next pay period. And the rest of it before the end of the year, late December. So he's going to have all $30 million before the end of the calendar year. Uh, he's got what Green Bay does uh, since they don't guarantee base salaries after, don't have any guarantees after the first year. They give you third day or fifth day roster bonuses in subsequent years of the contract. In Bakhtiari's instance, he's got an $11,072,059 third-day league year roster bonus for 2021. There's a $9.5 million third-day league year roster bonus in 2022 and a $9.5 million third-day league year roster bonus in 2023. That's so the team will have to make a decision on you sooner rather than later because there aren't any guarantees. Uh, But the money technically is not guaranteed, and we saw in Nick Perry's case, Um, In 2019, he had a pretty substantial March roster bonus. Got cut. So that doesn't mean you're going to get the money. But in Bakhtiari's case, since we're talking the third day of the league year is March 19th, which is basically four months away, five months away. Essentially, he he has practically a little over $41 fully guaranteed. Um, Bakhtiari also has $500,000 Pro Bowl uh, and playoff escalators. They're, they're in his current contract, and the triggers are the same, um, which could bring the total to um, $94 million, the total. Um, and the trigger is he's got to make the Pro Bowl in the uh, preceding year, and the uh, Packs have to make the playoffs for the escalator to kick in. So that's $500,000 in, in 2022 uh, through 2024. And then in 2024, he also has that as, a, as an incentive. So that's an extra $2 million that um, he makes, that he can make. But, and the cash flow is really good in the deal. If you look at, if you look at the cash um, overall, uh, through 2021, it's going to be at $50.5 million. It's going to lag behind Ronnie Stanley. But still, it's, it's really good. He, he passes Stanley. He's at $64.5 million through 2022. And Stanley's at $64.116 million. From a cap standpoint, 
uh, Bakhtiari's deal increased Green Bay's cap or his cap number this year about a little over $1.5 million, uh, $1,552,942 uh, was the cap increase because they lowered his base salary in the deal down from down to $1.05 million for the rest of the year. Um, prior to this, his base salary was $10.5 million. So essentially that means for the first uh, eight weeks of the, of the season, um, or nine weeks I should say, he was making... 10.5, and then for the last eight weeks for base salary, he's making 1.05 million. So when you blend his salary together, uh, you, you come up with he's going to make six million fifty-two thousand hundred forty-two dollars in base salary now. So as opposed to 10.5, and you got the 30 million dollar signing bonus layered on top of that. So that's how you get the cap number going from. 147 to $16,252,942. Now, um, what does this really mean in the future for, for Green Bay? Because they've been signing people um, and getting their core guys under contract, like Kenny Clark back uh, before the regular season started. They re-signed him and Bakhtiari. Corey Lindsley, the center. Um, now, he's, he's having a very good year, Pro Bowl caliber year. Uh, he's going to get most likely going to get some um, postseason honors. I'm not sure how they're going to fit him into the equation, and he's probably going to want to be the highest-paid um, center in the league or close to it, which is right now Ryan Kelly at about $12.4 million. But Packers now have a little over $5 million of salary cap room they could carry over. They have 40 players under contract for next year, $198 million, $198.6 million of cap commitments according to NFLPA data. Um, the problem is... The cap is going down because of COVID-19. The NFL and NFLPA set a salary cap floor of $175 million for next year in the top 51 count during the offseason. So you could carry over the $5 million if you don't or whatever you have left over at the end of the year. But with 40 players under contract, that's really closer to having $207 million of cap commitments once you have your top 51 filled in. And then you subtract out the... Uh, carryover, you're about 202 of, of where you are when the cap could be as low as $175 million. So something's got to give, which means that David Bakhtiari's roster bonus in 2021 of a little over $11 million is most likely going to be converted into signing bonus to help the Packers become cap compliant by the time the new league year starts on March 17th in 2021. And if you take that roster bonus and you convert it into signing bonus, you're going to be able to stretch it out over four years to pick up cap room. So the proration that's going to go into the future years is going to be um, $2,768,014 will be the proration. So you're going to pick up $8,304,044 of cap space right there. Um, with that restructure. So I'd expect that to happen. Now, the Bakhtiari deal is really, as I said, really where I expected Ronnie Stanley to come in. And if you wanted to put that into the Raven structure because they don't do what the Packers do in terms of not having base salary guarantees, and let's say he got a four-year extension, got the same four-year extension, um, then you're really talking that Ronnie Stanley should have had about $57.5 million 
fully guaranteed its signing and about 64.5 million guarantees and been up after 2024 as opposed to 2025. I really thought that Stanley deal was going to hinder where Bakhtiari came in, but it didn't. But uh, one thing I do think Bakhtiari was trying to do was he looked at the Larry, Laramie Tunsil deal. And Tunsil at $22 million on a three-year extension, Tunsil's going to be up, uh, would be a free agent in 2024. He's, if he continues to play at the level he's playing at, uh, Pro Bowl caliber tackle, odds are the uh, Texans are going to have to put a franchise tag on him. And his franchise tag would be 120% of his cap number in 2023. So that was going to of 21.75 million, which means to put a first franchise tag on him in 2024 would be 26.1 million. Now, if you take Tunsil's 66, the new money on the extension plus the franchise tag, you get to 92.1 million. So I suspect that was really what the goal for Bakhtiari was. Was since he's got an extra year or four year new years as opposed to three with Tunsil, they were targeting that and got very close, which is phenomenal considering where the Ronnie Stanley deal came in. Now, um, it's hard to see anyone really surpassing Bakhtiari uh, very quickly. I didn't think Tunsil was going to get passed after Ronnie Stanley couldn't do it, and Bakhtiari did it. Tunsil, because his franchise tag number is going to be $26.1 million in 2024, 2023, if they're going to extend him, that's going to be the starting point, 26.1. And Tunsil, who uh, did his deal without a traditional agent, is probably going to be looking at two franchise tags. And go second one's $31.32 million. You average those two, we're talking $28.71 million. So basically, he's going to be in the $28 million neighborhood. If you want to get a deal done, at least that, in his mind, that's what he's going to be targeting. Now, Bakhtiari helps one guy in the immediate future. That's Trent Williams. Uh, Trent Williams sat out half of last year or several weeks last year holding out, trying to get a new deal, came back, and spent the season on NFI, was traded, to the 49ers during the draft when Joe Staley uh, retired. The 49ers decided, and he's in the last year's contract, that they give him a $6.25 million salary advance, it was which was guaranteed. And stick a clause in there where they couldn't put a franchise or transition tag on him um, after the season. They didn't trade for, give up, I think it was a third and a fifth round pick, for Trent Williams to have him be a one-year rental. Because there's no franchise tag, that puts a little, gives them a little more leverage and puts some sense and urgency on the Niners to get a deal done after the season. Um, he's still playing a Pro Bowl caliber year. When when um, Trent Williams plays, he's been a Pro Bowl caliber guy. He's having another one of those kinds of years. He's 32 right now. He'll be 33 um, next year. And he's going to be looking at this from the standpoint that we saw the market move from Lane Johnson at $18 million last year to now we've got a $22 million guy in Tunsil, a guy almost to 20 at Ronnie Stanley and David Bakhtiari. At 23, you had Anthony Costanzo uh, sign a deal at the beginning of uh, right before free agency started at $16.5 million per year. So the Niners probably realized that at a minimum they got to go Lane Johnson territory. Lane Johnson's a right tackle. That's $18 million. They weren't, they weren't afraid to pay Joe Staley as an older guy, Staley 
signed a deal which when he was 34 almost going on 35 a two-year extension averaging 14 million a year which would run through when he was 37 so Trent Williams will be 33 next year so you sign him to a two-year deal three-year deal you've got him three years you got him 33 through 35 so the way tackles can play for a long time have longevity that you'd expect that he's not going to hit a wall or there's going to be a huge drop-off overnight like you might have a running back. Um, so what do you pay him, $19, $20 million per year? I'd imagine Trent Williams is looking to get in the $20 million offensive lineman club, become the third member. And we'll see if the Niners are going to be willing to do that. The Niners, um, cap-wise, have about $3.5 million they could carry over if they don't do anything else for the rest of the year. Uh, they only have 34 players under contract next year. And those guys take up almost $150 million of cap space. And if you fill out the top 51, you're really talking that they're about uh, close to $163 million, uh, which is actually better than a lot of teams. Um, if the cap's at 175, you're still under initially. And you could probably structure a deal with Trent Williams where, depending upon how you wanted to do it, uh, you'd still have some of that cap room left over. You wouldn't. He wouldn't um, put you totally uh, take up all your cap space. But still, it's going to be a challenge for the Niners. But if they want Trent Williams, they're going to have to pay a pretty penny. He's playing well this year, and the market's moved over the last uh, several months from Lane Johnson's 18 million initially, thanks to Laramie Tunsil. Bakhtiari gives him hope of becoming a 20 million dollar per year um, offensive tackle. So we'll see what happens with that um, in the off season. We're going to look at uh, one other thing um, in this week's episode, and that is dead money. Um, And the biggest individual dead money charges there are for the 2020 league year. Now, what exactly is dead money? Uh, Dead money is a salary cap charge for a player that is no longer on the roster. And the only reason it exists is because of how salary cap accounting rules work. Signing bonuses, option bonuses, and if you have a fully guaranteed roster bonus at signing primarily, are prorated or spread out evenly over the life of a contract for a maximum of five years. So when a player is released, traded, or retired, the remaining um, proration of these salary components immediately accelerate into the team salary cap, um, except in limited instances. And there are two major Exceptions to the general rule of how bonus proration acceleration works. That was, that was a mouthful. Only the current year's proration will count towards the tech cap when players are released, traded, or retired or retire after June 1st. So anybody who was released in the roster cutdowns, because that's after June 1st, and they have bonus proration in 2021, 2022, 2023, or beyond, the Bonus proration didn't hit the cap this year. Hits the cap next year. Hits in the following March, the beginning of the next league year, which will be 2021 in that case. Now, there's also another way teams can get this type of treatment under the cap. There's something called a post-June 1 designation. Each team has two post-June 1 designations they can use each league year where you can release someone prior to June 2nd, keep their cap number on the books up until June 2nd, and then the number comes off the books at that point, and you get the cap treatment as if they were released after June 2nd. Um, dead money is typically a sunk cost um, because it's bonus proration. 
the only instance uh, where there's any type of payment associated with dead money is if a guy's released during the season. Um, then there's dead money for what he earned, or if there's salary guarantees, and the team has an obligation to pay the player something. So dead money isn't a great thing for a team. Some teams, like the Bills a couple of years ago, they were um, doing a complete teardown. And anything that the previous GM, Doug Whaley, brought in, they were getting rid of. So that was intentional on their part to have a ton of dead money. Um, Reggie McKenzie, when he took over the Raiders um, in 2000, I think 12 that was, had to do the same thing because of the way Al Davis was, uh, the late Al Davis was uh, running the team, that he had to get bad contracts off the books and had an inordinate amount of dead money to do so to clean up the cap. Now, if you have a bunch of dead money, it limits your workable cap space and can have and hinder your ability to compete to field a competitive team in the short run. And also it shrinks the uh, money cap room you'll have in free agency or to give contract extensions to important players. Now, that's generally how dead money works. Now, let's look at the guys who've got the biggest amounts of dead money this year. Um, Brandon Cooks with the Rams, $21.8 million in dead money. That is the most dead money related to an individual player in one league year. It breaks the record of last, it was set last year with Antonio Brown. The Steelers had a $21.12 million cap charge in 2019 for Antonio Brown. Now, Brandon Cooks has that at $21.8 million. Now, how'd they get there? Well, well, they signed him to a five-year $81 million extension um, in 2018. And the way that thing was set up, it had a $7 million signing bonus and a $17 million option bonus. So, you got the signing bonus prorated over five years, and you got the option bonus prorated over five years. They traded him um, a couple weeks before the draft to the Houston Texans. And part of the dead money is he had a $4 million roster bonus that was due on the third day of the league year, March 20th. That's part of the Rams' dead money because the trade occurred after that. So you've got $17.8 million in bonus proration because all the bonus proration from the signing bonus and the option bonus hits this year because it's before June 2nd. You add that $4 million, $21.8. Number two, the Jaguars with Nick Foles have $18.75 million of dead money. Sign him to a four-year $88 million contract worth up to $102 million in incentives. Last year in free agency, gave him a $25 million signing bonus. He gets hurt in the season opener. That kind of opens the door for Garner Minshew, six-round pick, to uh, get a look on the field, played well. Um, and eventually took Foles' job. They traded him to the Bears. So <laughs> that means they have three years of the bonus proration of the signing bonus hitting the cap, $18.75 million. There you go. Number two. He's number two this year. Le'Veon Bell. Jets, number three. Uh, Jets have $15,062,500 of dead money um, this year of Le'Veon Bell. Now, he's the latest cautionary tale for you don't give lucrative running backs second contracts. Jets were bidding against themselves, signed to a four-year, $52.5 million contract worth up to $60.15 million through incentives. Guaranteed $27 million, fully guaranteed, $27 million is fully guaranteed at signing. Um, majority of uh, 
Bell's dead money comes from his fully guaranteed $8.5 million base salary in 2022. Now, um, he also had a $4.5 million roster bonus that was payable last March. There's $2 million from the $8 million signing bonus that he had. Um, Chief, the Jets will get some modest cap relief uh, from the dead money because the base salary guarantee has an offset. But he's making just under $706,000 in base side for the rest of the season from the Chiefs, so it won't be that much. Um, but the bulk of Bell's dead money actually comes from salary, the $8.5 million base and the $4.5 million roster bonus. Now, number four is Joe Flacco. Uh, Joe Flacco last year um, was traded for a fourth-round pick from the Ravens to the uh, Broncos. Now, there wouldn't be any dead money at all if the Broncos hadn't restructured um, Flacco's contract when um, the roster cut down was about to happen at the, at the end of the preseason. So they took $17 million of his $18.5 million 2019 base salary, converted it into signing bonus, added two voiding contract years, 22 and 2023, so they could stretch out the proration over five years. Flacco didn't play well. Last year, gets hurt. Drew Locke, second-round pick. Who doesn't look like he's the future either, a quarterback. They decided to roll with him. So when you cut Flacco, you got $13.6 million of dead money because of the restructure when you would have had none. And the fifth guy rounding out the top five is Tom Brady, the Patriots. The Patriots have $13.5 million in dead money for Tom Brady. And the reason for that is... 2019 was his contract year. Um, August 2019 gave him a raise because uh, he'd been he's been underpaid by choice. He was going to make 15 million. They raised his salary to 23. The easiest way for them to do that was to add two voiding years, 20, 2020 and 2021, to his contract because they fully guaranteed gave him a fully guaranteed 20.5 million dollar roster bonus. So they could prorate the roster bonus over three years. The, the years voided at the end of the 2019 league year. They also gave Brady a clause where they couldn't put a franchise or transition tag on him. Um, this is the first time Brady was in a position to play out his contract. Now, if they could have reached a deal to keep Brady around um, before the voiding years trigger hit, and that's what the Saints have been doing with Drew Brees. Has voiding years. The voiding years never become an issue because he signs a new contract to keep those years intact. Well, Brady decided to jump ship. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go someplace else. And he's in Tampa, and he's playing well in Tampa. So, Patriots have $13.5 million in dead money, $6.75 million in proration for this year, for 2020, and also in 2021. Now, Brady's $13.5 million is more than the collective cap charges of Patriots quarterbacks. Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer, Jared Stidham. Their cap charges are a little over $3 million. Um, most of the cap charges for quarterbacks this year, Tom Brady. All right, well, that uh, wraps up this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter. That is Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also my regular column and agent's take. Uh, we'll see you back here next week. Goodbye.